You're listening to Interviews with Adam. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today we're joined by Paul Johnson, who is with the Cecil B. Day Foundation, a group here in New England that is helping come alongside churches and ministries to further the mission of the gospel and the Great Commission. It's a great resource that is really focused in on two facets of evangelism and discipleship, and so it comes along with the the ministry of Songtime and partnership in a lot of ways to make the gospel known throughout New England and the Northeast. It's a great privilege to have uh, Paul Johnson with us. Thank you so much for being a part of the Many Voices for that one message. Good to be with you, Adam. Good to be with you. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about the Cecil B. Day Foundation and yourself and and what you're doing here in New England to help churches uh, for the sake of your mission. Well, the Cecil B. Day Foundation is no uh, uh, newcomer to New England. Uh, Although they're out of Atlanta, Georgia, they travel here regularly for the last 50 years to assist evangelical churches, ministries, and and leaders. And uh, the way in which they do it, I think, is unique in that they come up here, Woody White, who is the president, one week a month with the exception of December. So 11 months of the year, he travels here and visits with pastors. And someone here who is a consultant sets up those visits. That would be Rick Francis from Scarborough, Maine, or myself, and I'm here in Rochester, New Hampshire. I've done this for over 15 years now, and Rick also has been on board for the last five years. And during that period of time, uh, that week during the month, somewhere around 25 plus pastors are visited over those uh, five days, which means in the course of a year, 275 pastors are visited. And as we calculate it, uh, it takes two and a half years to travel to cover uh, the churches in New England and then uh, begin again into the various areas of New England. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, we don't see the same pastor uh, three years out or whatever, but if you calculate it out, that means uh, over 13,750 visits at least. So it's ground-level work, Uh, eyeball-to-eyeball, discerning where the church is in terms of its need and help where the pastor is, where the leadership is, thinking strategically. And that's really what the foundation has done uh, now for just a little more than 50 years. Hmm. But within the last two years, Adam, there's been a major shift because of studies that we have done. Tell us a little bit about some of those studies, because this you have a unique insight into the churches by being able to actually sit down and have uh, a very uh, meaningful conversations with the leaders of the churches. Well, and I think some of your listeners will say, the Day Foundation, who are they? Yeah. And re- really, we travel under the radar screen purposely. And what we have done over the last few years is to look deeply at where the church is in New England, and trying to determine where the thriving churches are in New England. Now, that study, entitled Thriving in New England, 
was done in conjunction with us by the Barner Study Group, Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, and Vision New England, all participating together to take a good look at where evangelism was in New England. And the results of that study were made available and discussed and, and, and shared among many uh, in the travels of the Foundation and also through the seminary and through Vision New England. But in 2018, we moved to a deeper study in terms of where the church was in terms of discipleship. And we did a deep dive into where effective discipleship strategies were working Hmm. in New England where churches were really being impacted, and we examined, we gathered, we consulted, and we put that report together. And principally, as I share at the conference, that's what I'm going to be sharing. Hmm. Where New England is, as a result of reports of interviews with New England pastors and evangelical leaders, We've heard for years now that uh, the churches in New England are uh, in decline in a vast number. Uh, The Barna Group has said that eight of the least reached, most post-Christian cities are in New England. So the statistics seem to be stacked against uh, what's happening here in our area. Uh, But you have a, you know, on-the-ground first-hand look at what's actually going on, and can you give us a little insight into some of those statistics and how they play into the research that you've done? Well, truly, uh, although we would say, yes, uh, there is certainly a stagnant uh, church on the part of uh, many, many churches, uh, maybe even the large majority of churches, but the scene is is really transforming in terms of churches that are growing. And we see that from the ground level. We see that particularly in the area of church planting, where a number of new churches have uh, come into New England, started in New England. Many denominations in New England are planting churches and seeing good results. Now, that's not to say some of them don't fail. But the majority, and I think it's because of their pointedness in terms of needing to do evangelism, if you're going to grow a church, and then following up with discipleship in order to take those who come to faith in Christ and begin to train them so they understand what it is to really be a Christian, how it is an individual grows in their faith, and then where the individual plugs in. What, what's the, what is the responsibility of the Christian as he grows, and how does he grow? So that is, that's really, um, in, as far as we're concerned, exciting. Mm-hmm. We, we know what the Barna studies have said. We've been a part in some ways, but we also know that the way they look at it from a 30,000-foot level is completely uh, not fully um, elicited when you look at the church from a ground level. 
And that's where we've been. We, we work on the ground level with these churches. And so it becomes exciting to us. And this transformational discipleship study began to show us that the interest in discipleship is, is growing. Mm-hmm. It's growing across denominational leaders that we've talked with. Uh, it's growing amongst not only the church plants, but other churches that maybe a few years ago were stagnant, mm. but they've caught the vision. And it's almost like um, it, it, it's, it's been, as you said in your last discipleship piece, uh, uh, hot taught. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing an excitement about discipleship and an interest in discipleship and a realization that for whatever reason, the church has got off the rail. We've got on our own GPS system, so to speak, and we need to get back on Jesus and his GPS system. You know, I think sometimes when we look at the statistics and we see all of the kind of negative results, and uh, if you're in a church that's declining, you're in a church that is kind of stagnated, you get the impression that the methodology of, of Christianity doesn't work, and there is nothing you can do to actually make progress. But, but when you look at some of the examples you know, on the ground level that you're addressing here, you can see that actually the, the, the gospel is spreading. It is working. We just need to be more faithful at uh, committing ourselves to proclaiming it and to doing discipleship one-on-one, right? Well, and yes, certainly. And, and Adam, for me, I mean, I, I know that it can, be, it, it can be depressing. I've pastored five churches <laughs> in my lifetime, and they've not all been exciting. <laughs> they have not all been growing churches, although several have. And the ones that have were churches that were making disciples, mm. that, that there was a pathway that they knew that they would follow uh, to make disciples. And so that's really uh, what, was ex- what was exciting. And then the other thing that's very exciting to me is the fact, it's very simple, Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we believe that, and we operate according to the system, if you will, that he gave us, uh, I think that's what the church needs to do. Uh, the church needs to realize it's lost its way, and it needs to develop a pathway of head, heart, and hands, a passion, uh, a roadmap, if you will, to walk in the way in which Jesus uh, shared with us when he said, and it was a closing command, make disciples. Hmm. Go make disciples. And for some reason, uh, and, and I don't have a, a, a full handle on why, but for some reason, the church has walked away from that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, in, in, in large part, that people realize that they've lost that mission? Do they think that they're, do they realize that they have fallen off that roadmap, or do they just get lost and not realize it at all until it's pointed out to them? I think, I think we get comfortable. 
I think we, we go to church to worship. We go to hear a sermon. We go to meet some of our friends. And we get comfortable. And we forget. We are called specifically by the Lord who saves us that we have a responsibility and it is a responsibility to make disciples and not only does he give us that call that command that great commission which is misunderstood i mean it's it's very evident if if you look at some of the some of the stats you'll realize people don't even know what the word discipleship really means and uh, we've lost that. So if we've lost the call and the commission, and, and I know it, it, some people say, oh, that, 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 that's not for me. Uh, I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not able to do that. Jesus said, he sends us his spirit. His spirit infills us, empowers us, leads us, and we are to share our faith. And not only share our faith, but then when someone comes to faith, someone's getting interested and excited, then we come alongside them. Maybe they come to the church and there is a pathway of discipleship that they get introduced to. And from my perspective, Adam, and, and the perspective, perspective of the study, uh, it can't be a quick thing. It's not a four-week deal, uh, you know, where you come, you learn what the church is all about, and then you decide what is your gift and where you're going to serve in four weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about we're, we're seeing a pathway that is ongoing, and we're talking about a lifetime pathway and walk, learning how to disciple and be discipled in a relationship. What are some of the things that you gleaned from these surveys and from uh, your interactions with the churches here in New England that uh, fueled kind of the, the mission and the vision of what you wanted to present um, in, in how to shape good discipleship in churches in this, you know, relatively difficult area? Well, of course, first comes the understanding of really what discipleship is. And in order to have uh, that understanding, because, because we don't use the word disciple mm-hmm. very much in our common culture. So in order to understand what discipleship is, we really need to look at it for, from a biblical perspective and definition. And uh, it, uh, it is really that a person is a pupil and, inherit, uh, in, in, and uh, uh, to, to realize the doctrines that are there given to us by the leader of our church, Jesus Christ, to embrace and to assist and spread the teaching, those doctrines, to others, to a follower, to another person. And in order to do that, in the study, Adam, what we found is there are nine common attributes of an effective pathway Hmm. for discipleship. I I can give you a few of them. Yeah, let's lay them out for our listeners. One, certainly, uh, is 
number one, it's biblical. Mm -hmm. That we uh, understand the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. It's God's Word. It's powerful. It's sharp. It speaks to us. It guides us. It teaches us. It helps us understand how God wants us to live, to live with joy and peace and walk so that we may be effective in what he has called us to do. It, and until we catch the, the, the realization that that's why we're here, that's the main reason why we're here, is to be able to understand what a biblical follower lives like, looks like, is like, and does. So, number one, biblical. Number two, trained and committed leadership. Leaders at the highest level of the church engaged in, in discipleship, knowledgeable about what it is and knowledgeable about the pathway that they would put forward through their leadership. And may I say, I was at a, I was at a conference uh, some months ago put on by uh, Thriving in New England was the conference. Transformational Discipleship was its title, and Dennis Gill was leading this. And with tables of pastors, uh, groups of eight, we began sharing together. I was at one of the tables, and one of the pastors at the table said, this is not my responsibility. Hmm. My heart, <laughs> my heart sank. Jesus says, Go and make disciples. That's not my responsibility. I need to get somebody else in the church to do that. Personally, I think that's a mistake. I think the pastor has to be hard on, hard on with the belief and desire to make disciples. Then beyond that, he needs to have other leaders in the church on board with him. It's, it's, it, and that's, you know, frankly, as I pray about this conference and the opportunity to share a little bit, I'm hoping that it isn't what sometimes happens. We go, we listen, we get some material, and it comes back and it's up on the shelf. Hmm. I, I hope that people who are engaged with discipleship, and it's spreading all over New England in a number of different ways, uh, when they are engaged uh, in discipleship, will realize this is the intentional uh, position, if you will, of the church with intentional pathways. So it it's biblical, and it's trained, committed leadership is another part, mm-hmm. and there's more. Yeah, it seems that uh, to do this, there has to be some level of intentionality. You can't just think that discipleship happens by proxy, right? You've got that. You've got that. Uh, I, I mean, I think if we just look at the at the commission itself, uh, make, make, hmm. uh, that involves a, a, a definite intention uh, that we do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, definitely, it's a call. Um, it's, a, it's a step to a series of steps, if you will. Some people call it a growth track. 
Um, there are others who, who put waypoints in it. Um, I've been involved in, in, in discipling and mentoring a number of men over the years individually uh, in, in a mentoring relationship. That's one way uh, to build disciples. It can be done in small groups. We found that a number of uh, churches, successfully growing churches, successfully growing disciples, with a methodology where there are steps in place of progression. One, for instance, has seek, save, school, serve, and send as waypoints of growth for the individual to go through. Uh, but there are, there are many uh, others as well that are available. So uh, it, it's life on life, either in a small group or life on life with a mentor, highly relational, that's one of the observations that we've made. And then, and then the most critical of all is, and, and you just referred to it, consistency. Mm-hmm. There has to be consistency with this going on and developing and growing. And even as I'm referring to the report that we put together, we're, we're growing it. We're, we're doing more study. We're putting more material together. We're getting involved with others who are involved with spreading this uh, wonderful challenge to disciple. One of the areas I think that a lot of churches are struggling is uh, they haven't seen any uh, significant growth, and it becomes uh, a, a kind of closed group. Uh, what kind of encouragement, what kind of insight do you have for for a, an established church to rethink their vision, their mission, and their purpose of discipling? I really think that the church questionnaire, the church needs to do some analysis mm. to really see where they are. Because a number of the things that churches may be doing uh, get checked off, if you will, in terms of, oh, that's discipleship. Oh, we're discipling. But we found in our study, when we asked what discipleship was, many of them were clueless. Many of them did not fully understand what discipleship was. And that was one of the reasons why we decided to make a study of those churches that were doing it well, that were engaged in it, that we're seriously looking at pathways that were available for discipleship. So I'd say, um, know your church. And uh, in order to know your church, really do a deep dive in terms of understanding where the church is. And there are a number of different questionnaires. And one that we have is not, is, is not uh, anything special, but it would be very, very helpful. For churches that uh, look at these kind of um, challenges of discipleship, it seems like a large commitment, but uh, commitment is really what Jesus called us to, right? When he called us to be his followers, he said, take up your cross and follow me daily. This is a a lifelong daily activity, and and even Paul says that in Romans, that we are living sacrifices. Uh, This is something that is going to require investment. It's going to require commitment and follow-through, right? Yes, definitely. And I I will tell you that 
if someone gets the idea that the commitment means it's going to cost a lot of money, hmm. that is not the case. The materials that are various pathways that we are suggesting for people to look at uh, to understand and see, because one size doesn't fit all. Uh, something for a large church uh, is going to be different than something for a small church. Let's say a, a church that's under 75 or so. That's going to look different. It's going to be different. Mm -hmm. uh, but, the, but the bottom line is its commitment and a belief and a realization this is the way Jesus said called us to walk and if 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 we're not observant and we're not desirous to follow his way uh, and make disciples then I'm afraid the 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 there won't be growth and what will happen is what is happening in some churches, unfortunately. Their doors are closing. You know, spiritual growth, um, when you start to get into it, it, it has its own self-reward, right? You start to see, you get excited, um, but uh, you can also get really easily distracted. And uh, your paper here on transformational discipleship talks about how uh, a lot of churches are, are very, very busy. And they see a discipleship ministry as just an additional thing to what they're already doing. They're already moving a lot of things. They're already busy. There are already a lot of committees, but uh, they're still not making progress. What kind of suggestions do you have for churches that uh, feel like they're already spread too thin? Well, that's the hard part. But I think by really taking a good look at what they are doing and comparing it to what they've been called to do, there are things that they may have to give up and let go because they are not productive. They may be comfortable, but they're not productive. Uh, it's, it's true in our own personal lives. There are things that we're doing, there are ways we're spending our time and our money, uh, and uh, we're, we're pleasing ourselves. Uh, we're, we're making pleasant choices for ourselves. Jesus has called us to make hard choices. But the difference between the two is the joy comes with the hard choices. The, the, the sense of his presence comes with the hard choices, mm. not the, 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 the pleasantries that so often we go for, a little more of this, a little more of that. I mean, we're living in a culture that is really trying to please itself with more. And uh, in reality, what we need to please ourselves with is a return to what Jesus called us to, and there, there is pleasure forever. Hmm. I think another one of the unique things that you pull out in your study is that there's no kind of cookie-cutter approach to discipleship, where there's this one set program for every church and every ministry that they have to follow to be successful. Really, they're going to have to sit down, do some self-evaluation, have a lot of conversations, conversations in their community about what their gifts are, what their their uh, their kind of their community is like, and what the demographic is—a way to break into their community to do this discipleship, right? It, it's not going to come simply by following step one, step two, step three. There's more to the development of this sort of discipleship ministry. 
Yes, they, they've got to have a clearly defined pathway. Mm-hmm. And what I'm going to share is a toolkit that we've put together uh, since our study. And in that toolkit, there are 14 intentional pathways, 14 ways in which you can disciple. You pick one of them. Mm-hmm. You examine it. You see whether or not this is really a fit for you. Along with those 14 intentional pathways, there are some New England consultants and coaches, and they are a part of disciple-making. One of them uh, is a disciple-makers network, and that's Ray Bandai, and it's www.disciplemakersnetwork.org. And he has a good handle on what is happening and what needs to happen, and he would like to be helpful to a church that would like to really take this on as a major need to put the church back on the right tracks. Mm. Um, Another is uh, uh, um, an informational or transformational discipleship uh, program Uh, and development that uh, has been done by Dennis Gill. And he's bringing churches together. He's had three of these now and is having some more across New England, bringing people together, people who are doing discipleship in their churches, sharing with how and what they're doing uh, to challenge not only the pastor, but to challenge the leadership within the church. And I mentioned that again. If this is to be successful, it's, it's not just the pastor. It's mm-hmm. a team who catches it, and, who's, and, and, and uh, it is caught. It's not so much it's taught, it's caught, <laughs> really. Yeah. And uh, so that's a resource that we're going to make, uh, make available as well. There's a lot of really great resources, and especially from the research that you've been able to do right there on the ground with the local churches, but also a lot of really great ministries. I've been so excited this year delving into the subject of discipleship to see so many ministries focused on doing intentional work for the gospel to spread and for people to grow in their faith. Uh, This is an exciting year to see what God is doing, and I believe that God is working amongst all of these different ministries for one purpose, the establishment of his kingdom in the hearts and the minds of those who follow him. And Adam, I am so pleased that Songtime is so involved with making this a principal emphasis of this conference. One of the statements in our report is, everything a church does should go through the lens of disciple making. Mm-hmm. And I believe that from the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. Well, it has been a great time to chat with you, and we're looking forward to this conference where we can delve into this subject in greater detail to encourage people to take seriously the call of Christ to take up our cross daily and follow Him. We've been talking with Paul Johnson with the Cecil B. Day Foundation. Uh, Paul, thank you so much again for being a part of the many voices for that one message. 
Thank you for opening the door for me. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this interview made possible by our ministry at Songtime Radio. You can find out more information about our ministry by visiting our website at songtime.com, where you can find this and other interviews on our podcast series, as well as our weekday broadcast, which includes teaching, interviews, and music. We also want to encourage you to sign up for our free monthly newsletter. It's got encouraging articles, and there is no obligation to find out more information about our ministry. Again, visit our website at songtime.com. This ministry is made possible by people just like yourself. We are 100% supported by our listeners. So if you have been blessed today, why not join with the many voices together for that one message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with your donation to the Songtime Ministry. To make a donation, you can do so online at our website at songtime.com, as well as by mail. Write to us at Songtime Radio, P.O. Box 100, Barnstable, Massachusetts, 02630, or give us a call. Make a donation over the phone. It's 508-362-7070. On behalf of our entire Songtime staff and our own Dr. John DeBrine, the founder here at Songtime, who encourages you to grow in grace and not groan in disgrace, from Cape Cod, I'm Adam Miller. God bless. <laughs>